Middle of the Pack. Real discussions for the middle of the pack by the middle of the pack. We'll talk about training and racing, but we're here to deep dive into the life topics of the weekend warriors and obstacle course racing enthusiasts. Obstacle course racing isn't just a sport, it's a lifestyle. We are the middle of the pack. Hey, good morning, good evening, and hello. Welcome back to the Middle of the Pack podcast. We are currently on our 19th overall episode, and for myself, this is the fourth one I have been on. I am Corey, and with me, as always, we have our good man, Charles. Hey, yo. And nobody can see her, but she's smiling because I am kind of taking the lead. We always have Megan with us. <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> All right, so this week we are actually going to be talking about specialty within the obstacle course racing world, basically. So now, with that being said, you have so many different uh, venues you can kind of go. You can be an obstacle course specialist, you can be an ultra runner, short course, a stadium runner. That's what we love about the sport overall is that you can literally take any road you want and become extremely well-rounded in the sport so that's what we're all gonna kind of dive into this week you did so well oh that's adorable <laughs> uh, he's no, so proud of uh, himself he's like high-fiving himself we totally changed up his script right before this <laughs> yeah that's Hey, that's more than I've practiced in introducing any of our episodes. So that is, that and great. all of your practice went for nothing because we are completely turning everything on its head. I mean, it it just so happens that we decided upon this topic the same week as Big Bear. And Corey, I know you don't give a shit about Spartan, but for people who actually do pay attention to what goes on in the spark the, the the Spartan circuit. Um, we saw VJ, who has been very vocal about I will not run a beast, come in and not only take the win at Big Bear, he took the win on the entire series. He went, he ran a sprint. And two supers in the entire series, he won every single one of them to take the win. He skipped all of the beasts, including Tahoe, and he still won the national series. And that's pretty impressive. I mean, as somebody who loves this sport, breathes this sport, I want to know why the hell a sprint is worth the same amount of points as a beast. But this is not the podcast for that. Guys, it could be. It it, it could be. Um yeah. Oh, yeah. I can I can trash and tear apart sparring all day, but that's literally an entire different episode. But guys, what did you think about seeing somebody who is very much a short to mid-length specialist come in and completely ravage the entire field? He knocked out Ryan Atkins. I mean, he was heading into the last couple miles in fourth and wound up taking the win. Yeah. I've always, I mean, VJ's always kind of been like the second coming because he's so young in this sport. He's always been like, this is going to be the next hot star, but then we always watched him crumble 
in the distance field. Like even the 15k at OCR Worlds and Noram, he wasn't the best at that distance. Um, and I kind of hoping he was going to get better at the beast distance. And I'm kind of uh, to your point as well. I'm surprised. I, I think this may be the last year we see the beasts in the sprints and the supers all be equal point. Cause I think at this point they're going to change it up. Uh, but um, yeah, I think it was, it's good to see him become national series point champion. Right. Cause yeah. isn't Atkins technically the, so, U.S. Nationals champion as well. <laughs> the National Series champion and the um, North American champion, I think, are two different things. It's the it's the it's the WWE Heavyweight Champion and the Universal Championship. It's the same thing doesn't matter. Like they never. They don't mix. Um, yeah, I'm. I mean, it's good to see someone also like he took it, and yeah, he. I didn't get to see any of the footage from today, so I saw the final footage of him like catching up to Atkins, who looked gassed. Um, and just yeah, he decimated. He took what he is really good at, which is shorter distances. Not that a sprint, not that a super short, and just, it's shorter than it was back a couple years ago. Yeah. But he, yeah, he capitalized on what he's good at and props to him. You know, I'm a fan of VJ because he is one of the major advocates for we should be seriously lifting to train. He's out there and he is doing his heavyweight training and he is getting his solid run training in and it is working. He and Nicole together, they are like the two advocates for serious strength training and serious run training. And I just say, preach. I am here for you. I will completely continue to ride that train with you. And then you kind of got me on the other end, too. I, this is coming bad, but I do lift, but not to your level of lifting. So yes. like I am more, y- yes, yes, yeah, when we get down that road. And I'm just all technical, like, just focus on the obstacles i don't need to worry about the lifting the weights part (laughs) oh you do though just wait you keep dodging me with this whole like let's get you started thing um one of these days i'm gonna actually like get you to let me get you started with training welcome to the club well (laughs) i also i was the opposite though i was like please train me because i don't know what (laughs) but also charles was really worried about getting bigger when he started strength training and he was worried about his speed and charles what has happened since then i have actually put on about five pounds of muscle and i'm faster so i've got i haven't gotten technically like bigger but i put on more muscle and i'm faster than i was and his obstacle game is so much stronger yep if you look at our uh team picture uh with me megan and our our boy mac uh, I will I will joke on myself. My legs look like chicken legs. Like they're pretty sure they're smaller than Max' wrist, but and someone's called me out on it. But you know what? Chickens are fast, so that's the mindset I keep going into. Is that I might have chicken legs, but I'm still fast. Okay, but seriously, guys, training is not why we're here. We are getting in about specialties, and Corey, you kind of mentioned it. There are so many different specialties that you can have when you are an obstacle course racer you can specialize in obstacles you can specialize in short fast flat courses 
You can specialize in mountains. You can specialize in ultras. And now I like to kind of look at obstacle course racing the way that most people starting out really like to look at it. Either you have people that started off saying, I can't run to save my life. So I am only going to start with fast, flat, short courses. Or else you have people saying, I just want to collect all the medals. So I'm going to jump into a trifecta. I don't care how long it takes me to finish any single length of a race. I just want those medals. Guys, how did you get started with any kind of obstacle course racing? So I was kind of a little bit different. Like I've always been a runner. So I've always been running track, cross country, 800 mile, you know, the 5Ks. Um, and I've always done those competitively. Well, just got to the point literally where I just got bored just straight running. Um, so I wanted something to kind of mix it up. And unfortunately, Spartan was the first race I did down here at Fort Knox. Um, so I did that one. That's where I ran my first barefoot race, too, um, was on the Fort Knox training ground. And it was literally just from that point, I was like, okay, I'm relatively fast. I can keep up. But it was the obstacles that started to kind of get me. And when I started to do different, you know, uh, race brands, so I kind of just converted to focusing on the obstacle piece behind it. So that way I can be more well-rounded overall. I jumped in, um, I was running, I kind of got in the same way. I was, I wasn't an athlete till well after college, but I started running and I was kind of bored of running and did a Spartan race in 2012 in Virginia. And that just kind of like flipped a switch in my head like well this is different and something i can challenge myself with because in 2012 i couldn't even do a set of monkey bars like so i just learned to get better at obstacles and i may i mostly stuck to spartan races in the beginning like that's kind of where i i went through and i i chased those trifectas so for me i got in because well one i wasn't a runner i hated running When the Boston Marathon bombings happened in 2013, I was strongly considering already picking up running of some sort, but I was very much a strength training person. I loved heavy lifting. I was a gymnast, cheerleader, the works. And I was like, I need something to force me to run. So I ended up finding an obstacle course out that ran in City Hall, you know, government center out to Long Wharf in Boston. It was called Urban Raid. It was like three miles, quick 5K. You run out to Long Wharf. You do a couple obstacles. You come back. And I was like, this is fun. This is amazing. I love this. So then it got me signing up for Fenway because I'm a huge Red Sox fan. So I did Fenway for a couple of years. And it motivated me to run a little bit. But I was always really great at the obstacles. So I would keep coming back and say, can I finish faster and faster? And I would go to see how my placement was until eventually I was finishing first in my age group in overall, um, you know, open waves. And then from there, I was like, you know, I really love this obstacle course racing thing, but I don't know how well I would do out in the mud. So let's sign up for a super. And then from there, I went super and beast. And the rest is history. So you started with Spartan and kind of stuck with Spartan? No, I started with Urban Raid. Oh, that's right. Okay. And All then right. stuck with Spartan. Yeah. Uh, it's 
Well, it's easy because, I mean, I'm a huge Red Sox fan. And for, I mean, a good portion of us get started in obstacle course racing because of the races that are local. So me living in Boston and having, you know, the greatest ballpark ever created in Boston and they're running it back-to-back days. Sure. I mean, I would work, you know, all day on Saturday and then go run the last heat at Spartan Fenway at 5 o'clock at night underneath the lights, and it was incredible. Um, So then from there, I looked into, I found a Groupon, and I got the Super in um, Barrie out in Mass. And that's only like 30 minutes from my parents, which very close. So sure, why not? It was on my birthday weekend. I'll go run the Super. I finished off with the Super and said, you know, I'm going to have my Super. I'm going to have my Sprint. Might as well go do my Beast and get my Trifecta. Um, didn't train for it. And I was miserable throughout the entire thing. But it, I got it and it stuck with me. But I think a lot of people have a very similar story. Once they dabble just enough in those super sprints, they're like, can I get this trifecta? And you see people either deciding, hey, I'm not ready for a beast. Or, oh, I either really want to keep chasing trifectas or, oh, I'm really good at whichever race length here. Yeah, most of my early racing, I didn't have i mean i had a couple races here and like i did i did a savage race early on as well and then i did a couple like other small time ones that aren't around anymore but i went with spartan race because i had so many locations and distances and i got my first trifecta um and then i started piling them on after that i did i I did a triple and then a quad and then i was kind of done after that point once i hit that full shelf of like i've done every spartan race i can up and down the east coast i'm kind of worn out by them i started like looking at other stuff and it was just also um with the trifectas yeah i kind of i mean i I got as many as i could and after a while you can only do so many sprint super beast sprint super beast like same distance the same location year after year type deal but that's uh that's a whole other topic as well with spartan no i think so yeah i think i went the first the uh, Spartan down here at Fort Knox, and then the next year I did it again, and then literally just a couple of months later I went to Savage Ohio, and that's when at that point I was like, okay, so this is what obstacle course racing is. These are what the obstacles actually are supposed to be looking like, and so from that point I was literally just trying to find. I just ran Savage basically most of the time at that point between Ohio, Georgia, Florida um just try to find those big obstacle heavy races but you knew pretty quickly that you were going to specialize in obstacles oh yeah once i like i said so it once i kind of started into the obstacles it it was just more fun to me like it's just being able to jump around and basically do stuff as a kid as a grown adult just seemed more fun to me and like i said i i kind of lost that motivation of the actual running portion so now when I'm actually racing, I I know I can still keep up with a good front pack. So I, I literally will just settle myself in knowing I'm going to catch people on the obstacles. And that's when I'll pull away when I need to. Is That's where my specialty is. It's all obstacle. 
It's funny because that's why I'm moving away from Spartan. I mean, I knew pretty quickly that obstacles were going to be my specialty. But in Spartan, you really have to be a runner. Spartan is a runner's course with a couple obstacles thrown in. I mean, if you were to tell Lindsay Webster circa 2016 she had to nail her spear or she couldn't move on, she would have never gotten to the height of her success until she learned how to throw a spear. Um, But in Spartan, you can miss an obstacle. You can quickly do burpees, which is just a cardiovascular um, penalty. So, oh, you have a great aerobic base. Okay, do your 30 burpees and get on your way. So no matter what, you have to be a strong runner. You have to have a strong aerobic system to win at a Spartan race. You're not seeing very obstacle proficient runners always coming out on top. Yes, you can have obstacle proficiency still winning out in the end. But you then see what Lindsay Webster did at Savage Ohio this year, where she got into the rig like, what, five minutes ahead of second place? And she was there fighting it out with all of the top girls for, what, like 20 minutes or so until three women beat it. And then she just like walked off course and she was like, I can't do it. I'm not going to beat this obstacle. I'm going to lose my band. You, that is where I come in. Like, I know I can't run with the pros, but in a obstacle dense race, I would much rather jump into a more competitive wave. Because at the end of the day, I am stronger at obstacles than the average runner. Maybe not OCRWC pro worthy quite yet, but I I can compete. I can finish fairly well in my age group at an OCRWC at an ORAM because I am obstacle proficient. Well, I am... The opposite of both of y'all. I am a very strong runner, consistent runner. I'm not a fast runner. I'm not pro level, but I'm better in the. I'm better in the very short game and the very long game. I'm dog shit at like. If we have to put it in tears, I'm a bad super runner. <laughs> super runner and 15ks are not my jam. Um, they are. I don't do well in them. My obstacle, like I have had enough obstacle efficiency to get through Spartan stuff. I obviously hit the wall when I started getting into more advanced stuff. And now as the sport has grown, it has gone beyond my literal reach because that's what I relied on is for to get through obstacles is my, is my reach. And so while I know I have that mindset in Savage Race where it's like, I know these people are going to probably get ahead of me on obstacles, but I know I can catch them on the next run. And I will most likely catch them on the next run. Um, granted, that hasn't led me to like podium success, but I know how to pick off and stay within a good chunk of the pack for whatever heat we're running. Um, yeah, the uh, and then the, the only other, I guess, if we want to call them obstacles that I know I'm very good at are the heavy carries. I know I can just. I can make up a lot of lost time on those because it's just picking up heavy stuff and moving and running with it. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say your obstacle ability is bad. You just don't have the confidence. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You, I'm definitely learning. You are learning and you are getting stronger each course. I think as you get more in your head, you cut off your swing, you cut off 
your abilities and that's when things kind of go awry. I mean, that not that what happened at like Savage Rig? That's what happened at the 15K kind of. I mean, I know you tore your hand, but y- you were getting a little bit in your head and said, I don't know what more I can do for this or, oh, this is hurting or whatever else. Whereas somebody who's naturally a swinger, if you have a rip on your hand, I don't, I, I don't care if my hand is torn open, I'm still swinging. Especially with the swinging, mine's more lack of, uh, lack of shoulder practice. mobility. I would say practice at this point. My shoulder mobility is really bad right now, especially after OCR World. Yeah. I'm still, still trying. To uh, yeah, you've been it. completely locked up. Yep. But it's, um, yeah, it's more at this point confidence. Like, yeah, I do get super frustrated. Like at uh, Indian Mud Run, Savage Race, I didn't. That rig was more trying to figure out their stupid cheese boards. Like, once I figured out the cheese board, I had the rest. Um, only a two-try obstacle, actually. That cheese board is so dumb. No, if For anybody listening, in order to master the cheese board, you need to both be able to swing and be able to lock off. That is how you're going to get it. My, I relied on being long, because I just went up. Must, must be, <laughs> be nice. Be nice. It is. Um... Stay underneath it, swing, lock off. But yeah, it's more practice on the obstacles, and then I'll be pretty well rounded. Um, I would think so. Then I have you to... don't need to practice on obstacles. I also do need to bottle. Mm-hmm. I, I think I brought it up during our OCR Worlds recap. I need to bottle the mindset I had for the team race when I got on to obstacles. I didn't think about them, I just did them. We just need to work your turnover more. But I I think I I do want to dive a little bit more in what you said about being both a short course stadium runner and an ultra runner, because we have seen a lot of ultra runners come in and actually destroy stadium races. Yeah, it's um, I've kind of always I've always like even before I became an ultra runner, I liked the stadium format because I ran Citizens Bank in 2013, I want to say, um. And that was actually my second op, uh, Spartan race, and I think second or third OCR. Um, I've always liked it. And then once I got into ultra running, actually my stadium racing increased. And it's because I've, I've said it enough times now, if you're an ultra runner, you're used to running 50Ks, 50 miles. You're used to having this very long tank of gas. And when you're running a stadium, you get to dump it in 20 to 30 minutes. You just get to, you get to blow all of it at once. It's kind of what Megan said beforehand. It's you get to deal with, you're used to dealing with a lot of pain, especially dealing with cardiovascular. And if you haven't run a stadium race yet, you're running red line the whole way. Exactly. And I I know, so I started catching on to this, both when you and Brian told me, I think almost within the exact same week of each other, you both said, I want to specialize in stadiums. I want to run the stadium series. I want to really like do well in the stadium races. And it's like, well, both of you guys have ultra experience. You've never been that like middle distance, even like beasts. You've never really focused on those. So how do you go from, I want to run marathon plus distance to I want to just run stadiums. And I know for Brian, he absolutely loves track work. He loves, 
I mean, it's hard for him to redline. We're still working on getting him redlining. But the, the just that whole pushing to no end and then accepting the pain cave, being able to dig deep and like really make it hurt. And I think that's what it all comes down to. Stadium racers know you are about to suffer through 25 to 30 minutes of just straight pain. You will not be able to breathe at the end of this, but if you can get a solid breath of air, you're not pushing hard enough. And it's all mental at that point. My last, especially once I really started digging into stadium racing, which I would say Citizens Bank 2019, so the past couple ones, none of my stadium race photos are good, and there's a reason for that. And it's because I look like I'm dying the whole time. And it's because I am dying and I'm letting it happen that way. It's funny because I feel bad every time you send me a stadium picture. And I'm like, seriously, why don't you have any good pictures? <laughs> I'm dead. I looked like I look like I'm shocked the whole way. Um, but it's also like I, we've already brought up the pros enough times. But there's a reason why we don't see a lot of we don't see Ryan and Lindsay or Nicole at at stadiums and why we don't see people who only run stadiums show up at supers and beasts it's because they are good at what they're good at and it's also why we used to have a stadium series it'd be great if they brought it back if anyone listens if anyone from spartan is listening well if anybody is listening from spartan we want to bring back the stadium series we want to bring back the mountain series make the honor series worth something like give us more please (laughs) but um yeah, there's a reason why we had uh, Orla Walsh was a dominator at stadiums. Yeah. But she wouldn't go to sprints and supers because she wasn't good at that distance. But I guarantee you, if you were to take Lindsay and throw her against Orla or any of our stadium dogs, they're going to get dusted. Orla and, and, just because that's what Orla and Corinna, like they, before there was a stadium series, they were out running the full national series. They were out in Vermont. Oh, yeah like tearing it up in Killington. Yeah. I mean, where do you think Orla gets her name? Like she is the Vermonter because yeah, she's from Vermont. Naturally, she wants to run mountains. She knows how to dig deep in the pain cave on those mountains. You don't have to tell me about Orla. I know about Orla. Oh, oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> I may I may be I may be an Amelia Boone fanboy, but come on. Orla. No, Corey has no idea who Orla is. Because Orla's yeah, I've got no idea. He's like, wait, what? Yeah. He, he's got like the look in his She's eyes is like, you y'all are talking Spartan. I don't know what any of this means. But honestly, Corey, hearing about how you ran what a hundred miler in less than twenty four hours, but yet you're so fast and you can specialize in these like short distance obstacle races, you could probably do really well in both the stadiums and the ultras. Well, see, that's what I was going to mention when, you know, you guys were talking about the stadium short course and then Charles being like, well, I can do on these long distances is that. So, yeah, the, I ran the 100 miles in you know under 24 hours. I ran a 50K and maintained a 730 pace for the entire 50K. And then, you know, I'm doing my speed runs like negative splits. You know, I'm running 520s, you know, ending on 520. So I can for me, I still haven't determined what my real goal distance is. Like, do I want to go the long distances or do I want to stick to the short distances? So that's kind of why I'm glad we're talking about the specialty stuff because now I'm I'm right there with Charles. Like I can either go short or I can go long. 
it's just trying to determine you know which one it's going to be but i want there to be obstacles because i know that's going to be my saving grace regardless of what my run distance is so can i be honest with you from a coaching standpoint i would expect nothing less i don't want to blindside you but watching you go through the 3k the 100 meter you're really good at your obstacles you need a little more pop on short distance obstacles to because your speed is so fast and then your obstacles are very smooth but there's so much more time that you could be saved in the obstacle game but if you go into a longer distance obstacle course race your obstacles are so strong you are going to be catching up ground left and right on those obstacles and then you're already so fast with the running that you are going to do so much greater because it's very tough for obstacle specialists to come out in ultra races and be able to completely dominate. You are not going to fail an obstacle if you come out and run an ultra. You are not losing your speed. We just need to get you fueling a little bit better. There is some room for improvement in your short course only because you don't have the quickness of hand turnover on your obstacle ability, which is coming. It's going to continue to come. Um, but you could completely destroy it on ultra distance. So we need Savage or some other brand to come out with a longer distance race so that way I don't have to run Spartan Ultra. There actually is. And I know we already mentioned the Spartan Trifecta. Um, Charles is actually running it this year. We have the Tough Mudder Holy Grail. So Tough Mudder, which is not by nature a quote-unquote race, they have their Holy Grail, which is tougher, which you would do really well at. And then they have their toughest, which is a 12-hour race, to ease you in. And then World's Toughest Mudder, which is 24 hours. I mean, Charles got contender status for World's Toughest Mudder. You have to run your toughest mudder to go to World's Toughest Mudder to get the Holy Grail. So they are easing you into that endurance series. And then throughout the night, they turn on different obstacles until all of them are on throughout the middle of the night. They are switching up the way the Holy Grail works in 2022. So they have a whole new, I didn't look into it. I'm only, this is, I'm doing a once one and I'm done. This was something I was thinking about on my run today because tougher makes no sense within the Holy Grail scheme of things, because tougher is not an endurance race. It's only 10 miles, which I know as us, we can say this is an endurance, but for somebody listening in who might have never ran more than a 10K would say, oh my gosh, 10 miles is completely endurance. Um, but it's only 10 miles, it's timed, and then they obviously rank you based on your placement. To us, that is not a lap format, that is not an ultra, that is not a test your endurance kind of race. So I don't understand why it's part of an quote-unquote endurance category, but I'm excited to see them now introduce a little bit different for the Holy Grail. 
and yeah, it's one of our few endurance OCR events. And technically, it's not very OCR heavy. On the, I mean, correction, it's not very obstacle heavy. Um, what they, but uh, uh, Savage Race had the option to do a multi lap, and they think they didn't think it was their bag. I think they should do one. And then Spartan Race doesn't run one, technically, because they're 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 ultras a uh, multi lap. But we do have the one company out there which is uh, Bone Frog runs a multi lap. Um, their endurance series, their endurance distance is literally a multi-lap of their thing for eight hours and their obstacles aren't easy but they're not terribly hard it's one of those things that like you Corey, you probably actually would be pretty good at their their endurance series because they have an elite running and you have to keep your band the whole time and that's the bone frog one yeah um so they actually that would be a pretty good option if you wanted to run a good endurance but they don't have a very big field because Bone Frog doesn't get a lot of people. Oh, I know. Uh, it was a Highlander, Highlander Assault. They've got their twenty-six mile race too. King Arthur's okay. Challenge. What is it? King Arthur's Challenge. Oh yeah, yeah. There you go. So yeah, when I ran it last year, I think I I just did the eight mile run last year. But you know that was something I could I was looking into like you know, possibly doing like said the longer distance stuff. I mean, it's. I just want the obstacles. Like that's. I know. I know Highlander was a flat course, so it was. It was definitely a runner's course. Um. So I was seeing guys put up times. I was like, <laughs> all right. Like there was no obstacles to slow them down. But that would be. Uh. I think we may have possibly found my specialty. You know the distance obstacle stuff. So. And I mean, we've talked about it before, but Fit does have an ultra. Fit and Noob Sanity did their ultra back in August. They're looking at maybe a winter ultra now. Um, Fit doesn't have the most technical of obstacles. But they do have a mountainous ultra. And you will get people like a Josh Fiore coming out and running that ultra. So you do get some serious ultra runners tackling that race. The only downside of that ultra is, though, that there's not a completion. Right. It's well. You can you can touch the obstacle and go. I mean, unfortunately, that's a big problem with fit in general. Um, and I I don't want to harp on them, but I mean, Rob posted a couple weeks ago how he wants to institute a age group mandatory obstacle completion wave where he starts age groups at a certain time, but it's like. Looking back on the last two elite waves, they don't have volunteers or marshals or anything to actually monitor their elite waves. I know that there were women that came in before me this past year who lost their band. I watched a lot of them lose their band or I saw them lose their band or asked them where their band was and then it wasn't listed in their results. So if you can't get your elite mandatory obstacle completion down synced, why should we believe that you are going to have it right for age group? And I have mentioned that, like, I I wish their ultra would be mandatory obstacle completion or at least uh, succinct every, you know, whatever, 
I know he does it because at a certain point they need to start tearing down obstacles. But I mean, I'll be the first to admit part of the reason why I was able to keep going in August during my ultra out there was because I was cramping so bad in my adductors, I could only do hanging obstacles. So anything that I had to jump over, I couldn't do without cramping. And I knew, he said right at the beginning, you do, nobody is here policing your obstacles. You're not going to get called out if you choose to skip an obstacle. I said, okay, I am going to do all of the hanging obstacles. But right now, in order to continue on and keep running, if I climb over this, I'm going to continue to cramp. I still gave it a valiant effort on every single lap. But yeah, I had to skip obstacles to keep going. But that's within the rules. We're really at a loss for the the whole endurance OCR world. But it's mainly because it's it's expensive to run. And a lot of the companies who have tried have gone under. Because Bone uh, Battlefrog did it as well. But I mean, how, how many can we do the Battlefrog per, uh, farewell parade? Like, um, so... Yeah, we've literally like we kind of lost on the endurance of it. We have a company who f- could do it. Indian Mud Run. How are we not talking about Indian Mud Run with endurance events? Oh yeah. Well, they have. Well, don't they have a weird stipulation? Like after the first, like the second lap, you have to keep your band. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it is for the Chiefs Challenge. Well, yeah. So the the I had signed up initially for their three lap run race last year or this summer, but since I ran the first one barefoot, I wasn't going to be able to do it again, so I opted not to do it. But they've got the three-lap thing where the way I understood the rules was you had to run your first one, but then you had to wait uh, before, like, for, like, the last age group or for the last something to go out, and then you could run your next two, you know, right after that. But I was thinking about that, too. But they they are technical rigs. They are loaded with their, their terrain. So even if they do like the multi-lap one absolutely but if they try to do like a 12 hour or something longer nobody's finishing that like there's there's no way those obstacles are too hard too technical and just the terrain itself will eat people so i mean i'm good for their three lap one which i'll do next year being their 10 year anniversary so who knows what that's going to look like but that that would just be hard they would have to re reroute for something for a longer distance though I did hear a couple people say that it took them almost 12 hours just for the three laps. Um, I'm really curious about the whole mandatory obstacle completion behind it all. I know that a lot of females did switch from age group into pro just to give themselves a little bit more time for Chiefs Challenge because I know at least for like my age group they didn't go out until like 11 which is ridiculous whereas the pro women went out at like 9 something so yeah um, I want to know if you have to keep your band and are they still monitoring their obstacle completion throughout the entire thing because I think we definitely need more obstacle completion monitoring Amongst an ultra. I think, um, if I'm remembering it correctly, so my technical guy, Matt, ran the Chiefs Challenge, and he kept his band for the initial loop, so the competitive wave, competitive age group, and then his, he got it on the second one, still had it. Third one, he lost it. 
But I think at that point, I don't know, like, does that third lap count? Like, does the chief, ch- I don't I know. Still, I don't, I don't like, I've never, I think it. they still gave everybody who at least did all the laps afterwards, still gave them the whole, Hey, good job. Here's your arrow or whatever it was at that point. They still gave it to yeah. them. You just had to keep the initial competitive, you know, wave. And then after that, like, Hey, you want to run this more power to you. you. If you do it all cool. If, I mean, you're going to get your stuff regardless, but I, for one, as the person who likes ultra OCR, I will not ever probably run the Chiefs Challenge because it's fucking hot when they run that race, and it's in the sun. <laughs> I don't want to do it. The the terrain, it's not on an incline; it's up shale rock. You're not running uphill. You are literally pulling yourself up rock the entire time. You're also running across that shale rock. Like you're not running up it; you're running across the incline. But. I'm I really want to know with this whole like keeping your band during an ultra especially at Indian Mud Run is it still like only five failures over the three laps or what like this is all things we need to look into but I'm just gonna I I had somebody mention to me a couple weeks ago and they were talking about their Indian Mud Run experience they said yeah I kept my band I only failed three obstacles and I'm like that's still not keeping your band. Um, just because you can fail up to five obstacles, it doesn't mean you walked out with your band. You cannot keep your band at Indian Mud Run if you have any fails. You can podium with up to five fails. You cannot keep your band with any fails. Trust me, I have been there. I did not get a band when I lost all of my calluses and only failed one obstacle and finished with one minute left to spare. Not finished with a band at Indian Mud Run. So, and I'm okay with that. It's the toughest course in America. Like, being able to keep your band is a serious honor, and if you don't keep your band, there's nothing to be ashamed of. It's the hardest race you will ever run. I, like, I'm always hesitant to give them that type of designation, but... It is. It's up there. And it's a lot of the times because it's a whole amalgamation of everything. It's the time of the year they host it. It's the amount of obstacles and it's the location he runs it at. It's a, it's a terrible, terrible terrain. It's super hot and all the obstacles. Exactly. Are hard. So it's, it's a perfect combo of everything. If he ran that race in like April, wouldn't be as bad because it wouldn't be as hot. But you look at what they did this year, and speaking of specialization, they had both Logan and VJ come out this year because they wanted to race it. And everybody thought that VJ was going to completely take it because, again, he doesn't run races over, you know, 10 miles or whatever else. And VJ is such a great obstacle guy. And Logan came out and completely crushed it. And it's because Logan's a ninja. And that's just speaking to the type of racer that's going to come out to Indian Mud Run. If you are racing at Indian Mud Run, you need to be an obstacle specialist if you expect to keep your band. You have to be training for your ninja stuff. You have to have your obstacle game on point. No amount of running game is going to keep you in no. in it. Because like, I can run for a very good amount of time, and I did at Indian Mud Run. I was great at running in between those obstacles, but I could not... like. My obstacle proficiency once I got to Skull Valley was gone at that point. But I also, I spent too much time at Ninja Ring. So. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're taking off, 
Ninja Rings happens at like what mile one. If you are not proficient in your obstacles, Ninja Rings are going to get you. Which nin- Ninja Rings are easy once you have it figured out. But if you can't swing or if you're not great at your lockoffs, it's going to get you. I remember running it and, I mean, I by no means was going fast this year because, again, my goal was I just wanted to keep my band. And for a good portion of the race, I'm thinking, where the hell is Charles? Why hasn't he passed me by now? Because you're faster than me. And I expected you to be just breezing through that course. Yeah, I had a rough time on that course. It was mainly, it wasn't even my prep wasn't bad. I had issues going on just in general in my life with my family that it's just like, man, it just impacts sometimes the way you approach obstacles. And I got super frustrated at Ninja Rings. And so it just happens. The same thing happened at over uh, fourth five rig over under at uh, OCR World. Sometimes you just get frustrated. And boy, when I get frustrated, sometimes it's bad. But that's really any obstacles. Like if you are overthinking them or if you are too much in your head, they're going to get you. With that, we know that we like we want all the obstacles to stay in a mud run. They're going to bring more, obviously. But I think the next thing as far as, you know, your uh, specialty, then it also comes down to the terrain, right? So, I mean, it's do you guys want like the hilly ones, like I said, the flat courses? Because you have people who are strong out the hills. But if they go to a flat course, you know, they, they're not really going to do that great on the flat course or vice versa or whatever it may be. So that could be another specialty to look at, too. The Indian Mud Run brings into it because they've got gaps in there where it's straight open run. You can just take it if you need to. I think Indian Mud Run is a bad course to look at when we're talking about terrain. Because I don't think any single person in their right mind would choose the Indian Mud Run terrain over anything else. Like, that terrain is psychotic. You, again, are running up and down and sideways across shale rock. You're not getting hills. You're getting ravines and you're getting cliffs. Um, it, it's not the most runnable. So you have to be able to really descend. And then when you get, like, the flat open fields, you just got to take off. For me, I mean... Yeah, I've won the Mountain Series in my age group in 2019. I can get hills. I can power hike when, you know, the time comes. Um, I'm not the most mountainous of runners. I can hike up. I can run down. I can stay consistent across the board with mountains. But I would still prefer much more of like a rolling hill. Because I can run that shit all day. I don't want straight flat. I don't want serious elevation. I just want a little bit of rolling hills throughout um, Treasure Valley in Massachusetts. That was probably, hands down, my favorite course ever because of how much it was just straight rolling hills. It was just fun. Indian Mud Run Terrain is definitely one I wouldn't bring much into like effect. I'm also just in a weird position because, like I said, I'm a good runner. So I, when it comes to running, I will, I'm okay with doing a mountain. I'm okay with doing a completely flat course. I'm okay with jumping into a stadium where I have a shit ton of stairs. Uh, so it's, it's hard for me to say, like, which terrain I'd want over the other. I think, I mean, I am a pretty good uphill hiker, and I am a really good downhill runner because I don't have any... 
I don't have any hesitations running downhill. I'll make up a lot of time that way. So I think if I really had to pick like what type of course I would want, I mean, I don't want to climb Killington every lap, but I, that's like the type of courses I would prefer is if I had a good amount of climbing in it. And that way I can cater to my abilities a little better and make the most out of like the type of terrain I have. But if we're talking about technicality, I wouldn't mind actually, I wouldn't mind worse trails. Like if you throw more rocks on a trail, I'll do it. I, I prefer that over a nice, a nice flat gravel course. Oh yeah. Same. I love the technical terrain. I would much rather have something where I have to keep my head down just a little bit and I'm choosing where to put my foot to not roll my ankle. I mean, I think that was my biggest complaint about Stratton. I actually enjoyed a good amount of the climbing with the exception of that one serious climb. But it it was a lot of straight like power hiking to descending, but I would I want to see a lot more single track work. I want to watch where I'm stepping. I want to be tripping over roots because it comes down to how technical of a runner you are and how well-trained your mechanics are to recover from that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think we all are in agreement. Like, I honestly like the Savage Georgia because they, like I so said, theirs isn't overly hilly, like overly mountainous, but they've got like the rolling hills. Like, that's all you'll see people post is like the little hills here and there. You know, it's just, they're rolling. So you're going up, you know, 100 feet, 200 feet, and then you're coming back down, but you're going back up. I like that train instead of, the whole mountain, like Stratton climb up for a mile and a half. I I don't want to do that. Going downhill, I'll I'll bomb going downhill. I don't care. I don't really watch my placement. I'll I'll know how it feels when I'm done. But don't want a super flat course. So I I think of the train wise, I'd probably take Savage Georgia. Honestly, that type of you know rolling hills compared to the flat and the mountainous stuff. Charles, have you ever been to Georgia? Um, not Savage Race, Georgia, but I've done the Atlanta Sprint when it was at the... I've never been to Georgia. It's nice. The Atlanta Sprint at uh, the Olympic Horse Track is where they used to hold it. That was a nice course. It's very cold because it was March in Georgia and pretty cold. But yeah, I haven't done many other Southern races. I had a client take second, well, kind of. Um, she took second in her age group today at Georgia. And that was one of her big goals for the year was to finally place an age group. So yay. But I've never been to Georgia. The Atlanta course, the sprint where it used to be, I would say it's close to what we have here for the DC sprint, not the stadium, the one, the DC sprint, hard quotation marks on that. It's in Maryland, it's in Maryland. Um, that is a lot of ravine running, um, which so it's rolling most of the time. It's kind of the same way with Savage Race, Maryland. It's a lot of ravines. Um, which I'm okay with that, but also that type of course will actually take me out pretty quick because it is so much terrain switching. That is, yeah, that'll make, that makes me tired. <laughs> I will say the ravine at Noob Sanity, that was probably one of my favorite courses to ever run. They just got so much rain right before the race that, um, the mud was so sloppy cement-like. So it was very tough and it caused a lot of spasming in your legs. Um, as you continued on, but I think that was probably one of my favorite courses ever just because of 
how much of a rolling hills it really was. And like, I can climb up and down ravines, no problem. Um, it, it's just fun. But I do want to run more Savage races next year. And I, I'd, I'd look into Georgia, depending on when it is. They've got two. Well, they got a spring and a fall. Yeah, but their fall is always is on OCRWC weekend, so that one is off limits. Well, there you go. I guess it's gonna be spring. <laughs> well, depending on what the date is, this is where I need you to be like pulling it up and looking at it for me. I got. I'll. I'll. I'll, I'll look into. I honestly, I thought. I I think I'd seen something where it's close to. I think it's like the week before or the week after Indian Mud Run. I think that's why last year a lot of people on my team said they weren't going to do one or the other because they were so close to together. So Savage Ohio is the weekend before Indian Mud Run. Oh, that's what it is, Ohio. Yeah, there you go. Well, so so much I know. So looking at 2022, and we're not getting into our race scheduling at all, but as a specialty standpoint charles can you please talk to your coach when you plan out your schedule in 2022 instead of say hey by the way i'm gonna throw in the holy grail but i'm it doesn't mean anything what do you mean it doesn't mean anything (laughs) well you originally said oh it's just gonna be for fun i have no real goals with it we figured out that you actually do really well at ultras and if if you planned to race race your holy grail, you could have done a little bit better in terms of your goals. Doing toughest, my goal was since I had not run a tough mutter before this year, I had not run a toughest or any type of form. I didn't know what their toughest format was. So I was I approached my toughest as I'm gonna take this as literally a test run for world's toughest to see what this is like. And then from there, I'm basically going to go all systems go at World's Toughest Mudder. So that was kind of my mental plan, because if I understood their format a little better, if I like was completely familiar with their obstacles, Toughest would have probably been a couple minutes faster here and there, uh, that type of stuff. But it was more, I threw it on there because also, yeah, I didn't have time to go to Chicago and I don't have the money to fly to go to, actually, no, wouldn't have gone to Seattle because that was... CRWC. Yeah, those are CRWC. Yeah. It was just one of those, like, yeah, I threw it on there. And it's because, I mean, it's very, like I've said before, I've been doing this for far too long and I'm running out of goals. So the Holy Grail World Stuff is Martyr was one of those things I threw on a couple months into my season. So I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to do that because I'm going to do it while it's there. As, as his coach, what I was told was, OCRWC is the A race. World's toughest or Holy Grail. Gonna do it for a goal, but no real goals in terms of how well he wants to do. He wants to hit contender, but you know, just see what happens. And then as I'm watching things go, he is running neck and neck. He's holding third place in his age group for majority of the night. And on the last lap, dropped to fourth in his age group. I didn't tell him this because I didn't want him to 
feel bad about himself, but I did have my my other client did finish third in his age group. And he said, oh, I didn't realize that I was like 10 minutes off podium. And for anybody who knows a toughest mutter, that is the equivalent of one solid pit or, you know, just out of an obstacle or two a little bit quicker. Or just not walking on your last lap. I walked my last lap. That's why my last lap is way longer than my other laps because I walked. Because also they didn't up they weren't updating that fucking board. There I was in seventh every time I saw it. It was like down in the seventh of my age group, down in the seventh. I'm like, all right, well, I'm not gonna compete if I'm that far off. Yeah, by the once I was done and like I also never don't have my phone on me, so I'm not checking anything. Once I finished, it's one of those things when I had the pit, like Alan at Alan at World's Toughest is going to be checking that stuff for me. Um, but I was checking throughout the night, like waking up in the middle of the night, seeing where everybody was at. But I'm not going to be like texting Charles and be like, yeah, you're in third. Like, awesome. Keep going. Because I know he's not checking it. I wouldn't see it. Um, yeah. So then as soon as he realized where he could have been, I said, okay. Let's actually talk about your goals for this year. I I know Charles wants to continue to get better at obstacle proficiency. Right now, is OCRWC really your A race? Because looking at his schedule, he dropped all of his mandatory obstacle completion races. He was going to run like a Spartan Stadium race. And then he was going to run OCRWC. I'm like, you're not focusing on obstacles. But we can still continue to build you to world's toughest mutter. And he's like, no, I think I, you're right. I, I really want to do well at world's toughest mutter. That is now my A race. And we shifted gears and we focused on the A race. But now with everything he's learned from this first year with coaching and with really strategized planning, we can look at 2022 and say, okay. If you want stadium races, where can we go? You know, maybe go to Savage, Florida, where they're going to have the Blitz competitive again. Or, you know, I know you're not planning on running the 15K at OCRWC. You're going to focus on the 3K again. So, like, where can we go specifically for all of the different races that meet your needs because i don't think you're going to be focusing on the holy grail next year you're not going to be running ultras you want to focus on those short courses so guys where can we go to see more short course running short course wise um i mean literally i mean most of these are short courses i mean you I mean, it depends on what you look at short course, though. I mean, some people look at short courses like a 3K, 5K, or a 5K, 10K, 15K. I mean, it kind of just depends on what you consider a short course. You have, um, I mean, we obviously have, like, if Savage Race does commit to the Blitz competitive, that's that's if they commit to it for a full schedule, that is. Um, and then, yeah, the stadium races are obviously a thing. They're all going to be the same. It doesn't matter. Like, whatever stadium you're at, they're all the same race. Uh, Bonefrog has their sprint, which is the one single podium I had, but no one was really there. And Bonefrog doesn't have, a, a like, a field. Um, 
give a shit. You finished eight minutes ahead of any other person. Yeah. Um, but we don't have a lot. Like, and then it just depends on what. I haven't run a Spartan sprint, outdoor sprint in a while. So I don't know what they bring to the table on that anymore either. It's a, yeah, there's a short courses. I mean, I, there is fit challenge has their, the standard elite wave. Um, yeah, that would be like where the short courses are. I would think in my mind, but I mean, that's still like a thousand feet of elevation and three yeah, miles. <laughs> I don't mind climbing. I mean, I think you guys do need to come out and experience Fit Challenge single lap elite wave. I've wanted to. I've had it on my schedule and then just things have not. Like I had it on my schedule this year and I got overbooked with work. I just ask Rob, please, please, please put in more technical obstacles. We are sick of walls and cargo nets. Give us something technical. There, there's, there is Hildervet. They've got their one mile down, one mile back on the beach. They've got that's that's a short course. That's fast. So there's, the, I mean, if they can get more styles like that, I mean, that would be fantastic. I mean, like uh, Frontline could do it. Um, Highlander could probably do it. I mean, some of your Phoenix race is still. I, I just honestly started hearing about Phoenix race up this year. I mean, if they start to get a little bit bigger, they probably could. Uh, I know they're doing the berserk. They just came out this year. Okay, well there you go. I know they got the one down here in Kentucky next month, the Berserker Brew, which I think is like a five k. But I know that area and it's relatively flat. So, I mean, they could probably do like a short course. I think there's gonna be more opportunity for short course races, honestly, than the ultras because those just seem like a big mess to try to keep track of. <laughs> oh my God, ultras! That is one thing Battle of the Lions is doing. They have their endurance course. How did we not talk about that? Because I forgot they had it. We all need to go out and experience a Battle of the Lions next year. I just ask that Battle of the Lions put their, like, signature race before OCRWC, because I think what they held it the weekend after... So they had like their three specialty races throughout the summer. And then they had their blended like signature race after OCRWC. Put that in the summer so we all can come out, experience that. Because we, not everybody wants a grip. Not everybody wants an endurance. Not everybody wants a strength. But they are mastering the specialties. So kind of to connect the dots here like if you are going to if your specialty is this and this what it's really going to boil down to to have a good successful season is exactly how you're going to structure your season that is instead of uh being like the trifecta hunters where we pick out this this and this just so we can get x times seven or eight trifecta plates on our wall or just trying to do i mean i guess if you're just doing mandatory obstacle completion then yeah that's another whole other subject but what it kind of is going to boil down to is just exactly how well you plan your season but i mean if you're only a spartan runner you can still specialize it as long as spartan brings back a mountain series if they bring back a stadium series 
you can still specialize. They, they were targeting those specializations. You know, you could get a Mountain Series trifecta. Can't get a Stadium Series trifecta because they only run a 3K around a stadium. But, like, I know, because Fenway never touches three miles. But they were the original brand that was allowing specialization. And now it's just ironic to see VJ win the National Series without having to touch a beast distance. Which, I really want to know if VJ is going to go to Abu Dhabi since he's probably going to have an all-expense-paid trip to Abu Dhabi, even though he doesn't run a beast. But, again, not our conversation. We don't talk about the pros. Have we asked the question, how do you figure out your specialty? We haven't. Because some, some people just might not have it. But, like, some people also don't want a specialty. I mean, you look at somebody like uh, Kelly Sullivan, who was the first female to podium in every single race length. And, I mean, she will go from a DecaFit High Rocks event to running an Ultra the next weekend. And, like, it doesn't matter to her if there's a race and she's feeling good, she's going to go out and run it. And she does really well at it. I mean, Ryan Atkins, yeah, we know he's not going out and running a stadium race, but he does fairly well at every race length. So there are people that do just have that power to run everything. And when do you decide, yes, I want to specialize in everything, or no, I only want to specialize in one or two things? For the pros, honestly, they're pros for a reason. So they can kind of, like, you watch them and it's like, okay, do they have weaknesses? Like, they just look strong in a lot of the venues they go to. But and that's the same thing we talked about earlier. Is that I, We kind of put it on that I might be better at the longer distances, but I still like the short course. I still like redlining and trying to compete with all the top people just to see where I'm at. So that's next year when it's time to start building my season, I honestly have no idea how I'm going to go about it. Like I know those key races I'm going to have, you know, Indian mud run, uh, front line, Hildervat. I'm going to have those ones, but just because like, they're, they're obstacle, you know, heavy. But after that, honestly, I don't know how my season's going to look because I don't know, do I want to go distance or do I want to go short fast course? So that's kind of what the next what two months are going to be for me. Cause I've, I've got no idea at this point. I think for like pe people who are trying to make that decision if they want to be good at everything, it's really just going to boil down to your mentality at this point. Because um, for me, I know what I'm good at, and I don't really want to get better at say the mid distance races. I really don't. I don't. I don't get a rush anymore out of doing supers or beasts or any of the or the 15k or zero worlds or even but to be honest i don't get a rush out of india mud run much anymore like it's just that type of distance i don't get the rush out of and if mentally in my head if i really wanted to start like cracking down i would have to flip that switch in my head and i think a lot of people would also have to do that where if you want to be good at everything and you really want to take this, this sport by storm whether it's in your own personal life of running whatever races and you want to be good at everything, or if you want to be good in age group, or if you want to somehow crack into the elite pro competitive distance 
you would have to make that full commitment in your head to go, I'm going to be good at everything. I'm going to train to be good at all of this and I'm going to do it. While some of us may, I, my thing may just be, I've done this sport too long and I don't really want to get good at everything in the sport anymore. I want to do what I'm know I can get better at type deal. See, I'm the kind of person, like, I don't know where I want to go with this all. I know I am good at obstacles. I'm not good at running. I know I'm not good at running. I don't have the ability to push myself that fast in my running because it's still a psychological thing in my head. I can't breathe through my nose. And if I can't breathe, I'm going to stop myself. Um, so all of those distances where I feel like I need to redline, I'm just not good at it. Um, I hate any kind of track work. I hate any kind of speed work. I don't hate the hill work, but I can mentally grind through it. And looking at the ultras, yeah, I've never stepped onto a Spartan Ultra course yet, but you know, whether it's running a 12 or a 24 hour race, I can be going for 20, 30 miles and I am still running, running during those laps and I can still push myself and I can still find my obstacle ability at that point. So maybe I should be looking at ultras, but I don't know. Um, I, I'm still trying to figure it all out, but I'm enjoying kind of finding what I can do with running. I just... I'm realizing that if I put too much emphasis on my performance and on racing, racing, and not enough on how I am personally feeling and how I'm personally doing, then I'm just miserable and I don't want to do any of it. So I think as long as you are continuing to focus on your own personal development and your own personal growth to push then you are continuing to progress and you are on the right path to finding whatever it is you want in this sport. I can come down to running it. You know, like Charles said, at this point, he's kind of, he's been here long enough, so he just kind of wants to focus on what he wants to focus on. And, you know, I get from how I say, not necessarily podium and win them all the time. He just, he, at this point, he's doing it because he loves the sport. Um, we're on the complete opposite. Like I want to podium. I'm not gonna go to Spartan and podium poach, but I'm I've age grouped in every savage I've gone to. I've overall podiumed at a couple of races. Like I want the podium. Like for me, it's my investment. Like what's my return on my investment? That's how I'm looking at it. That's why I want to find my specialty because I want that investment for me putting in the work. So that's also kind of that mind shift that you have to determine. You know, like, do you want to do it just for fun and enjoy it? find your specialty that way or do you want this podium do you want the overalls because that is going to play into your specialty also and it's funny listening to you talk about that because i definitely have that conversation with clients so when i meet with a new client i ask them specifically you know what do you want to achieve and then listening to them talk about it and say either they want to get faster stronger whatever or they say i want to hit a podium if their goal is, I want to hit a podium, I say, okay, what is working for you? What race lengths are working for you? How can we get you a podium faster? And I, I bring this back to the holy grail and how I think 
tougher doesn't fit with the rest of the Holy Grail because for somebody like, you know, Charles or my other client who were, who are running the Holy Grail and who are looking for world's toughest mutter success, they are not the type of athlete that's not going to be successful at tougher because we are focusing on 75 plus miles at world's toughest mutter. You're not going to put on the speed as your middle quote unquote middle of the pack runner, you're not putting on the speed to podium in a 10 mile tougher if you're also looking at 75 miles at world's toughest mutter. Maybe if you're like an elite Ryan Atkins, I can do great at absolutely everything. You know, redline for 10 miles, but then also, you know, sit in my comfort zone for 75 miles at world's toughest mutter. But those aren't the athletes that I'm training. And yes, my athletes can be both. But within the first year of training with me, we are going to pick what is going to be more successful for you. Are you more of the let's hit a podium at 10 miles tougher or let's hit podium at world's toughest mutter because you can keep the gas on for the 24 hours. And that's what I'm looking at with all of my clients. You know, I have some clients that are only looking at sprints because their obstacle ability isn't where it needs to be. They're packing on the speed and they're really focused on let's get that podium or they can have a little bit more longevity. Their obstacles are pretty decent. And we can look at maybe a super or a beast. But it's all about knowing your own body and your own abilities. And then f- figuring out where you want to specialize. And getting the training to specifically target those areas. No, I, mean, I think that kind of hits it. Because now I'm in my head trying to think about my own stuff like all the ones i've actually podiumed at and they're all over the place like i've had a long distance podium i've had short distance fast course i'm like i still have no idea so i know my distance and i have i have one medal to prove it (laughs) and it's right here it's literally right off camera um well just let me figure out your training we gotta figure out my specialty i know but we don't know i don't know my specialty would be to clarify training on it when you're figuring out your specialty have that early part of the season where you cherry pick different race lengths give yourself two three four weeks in between a couple of different lengths so you can prepare for each one and see what you perform best at and what more importantly you enjoy working towards Not only what are you having the most fun at racing, but what are you having the most fun training for? Because if you're not enjoying the process to it, why should you ever expect to enjoy the race? So if you go out on an hour and a half, two hour run, and you find yourself completely miserable, but you would much rather go do a quick track workout or, you know, quick hill workout, something that's less than an hour, but you are gasping for all sorts of life, 
maybe that's going to be indicative of what you want to be doing in racing. So look at the different workouts you're doing and figure out from there which type of racing coincides with the training to what you're doing. So Corey, you did the sign on and now you get to practice. Now you get to do your sign off that I don't know if you practiced. <laughs> Let's hear it, Corey. I didn't make it that far in the process. <laughs> <laughs> Leave this all in. <laughs> so to so to do a so Corey, to do a throw to so we can wrap up as you go. So that's about sums it up. Um on our topic and then you throw to me you throw to yourself you throw to me and then you throw to megan and then one of us will probably hit the uh the, no the make him hit the handles <laughs> he doesn't know uh, does he what oh yeah no i'm not doing the link tree Dude. handle stuff yeah he doesn't yeah we'll get it we'll get that so one basically say, all right so that so how, you, pra you practice that so next how, week. how you want to end it so so well you know what you know you know how to do it we pretty i think megan sums it up almost every time it's like that about sums it up for this week like <laughs> on whatever topic well i guess that's it <laughs> okay all right guys so i think that about wraps it up here um megan kind of topped it all off for us on this episode about finding your specialty um so just be ready for next weekend when we actually start talking about possibly a pro card option uh, i know charles is pretty big on that so with that being said i am your man i am iron man Corey. you can find me on the gram at ironman.ocr charles here where can they find you at uh, you can really only find me on Instagram at Sabretooth underscore OCR. That is S-A-B-R-E-T-O-O-T-H underscore OCR. On there, I have my link tree where you can get a discount on some fun clothing. All right. And then last but not least, but also a reason she's last. Uh, Megan, where can everybody find you? One, I want to know why you are everybody's man. Why is that a thing? He's <laughs> <laughs> my man. He's, he's yours. He's everybody. Derek's. He's everybody. <laughs> he's he's every obstacle racer's man. Okay, well, I am Maggie B A T C on Instagram. I am the OCR trainer on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. I am all over pretty much all of the socials with that handle. I offer online coaching and personalized programming if you are interested in any kind of obstacle course race training. And yeah, I think that's it. We are middle of the pack podcast. We are at middle of the pack pod on Instagram. We will not even mention our Twitter because we don't do it. And you can find our link tree on our Instagram. Again, middle of the pack pod. Um, but if you are listening to this, you have already found us. So congratulations. Make sure to like, rate, share review whatever you want to about our podcast and we will be back next week Corey, finish us off <laughs> what am i finishing off with now i don't know give us a sign off give us a sign off i mean i don't i don't I'm gonna get that far that's your next week see you next week Bye, deuces. I'll see you next week. I thought I said that already. 
Charles, just just give us an outro. We'll see you next week.